Welcome to DIY for Business. It's Russ and Greg with you. Today, we are talking about when it's time to get out of your house. Real estate. is. It, are you going to run your business out of your home office? Are you going to get a place? There's a lot of options there, Greg. I know. You know what they say, location, location, location. And you know one exactly. of those locations is your house, but there mm-hmm. are options. Get out, grow your business, look commercially because... You can only do so much in your house, depending on what your business is, obviously. But you can only do so much in your house. You may need, you may have inventory that you need space for. You need have manufacturing. You may want to bring customers into retail. There's just so much to discuss. So I'm excited about this topic. There's there's so many different directions that we're going to take this today. Yeah, exactly. And we're not just going to do it by ourselves here. We've got a, he's, he's been an entrepreneur since 1998. I've known him about that long as well. He's also a commercial real estate agent. Mike Santion is joining us today. Hey, Mike. Hey, how are you guys? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Great. I'm great. Well, so Mike, as we record this interview, is sitting in a $4.5 million house in uh, the the Bay Area that he is uh, listing right now. So uh, for for those of you outside of the Bay Area, $4.5 is a fixer-upper. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a well, really, really Mike, nice picture up right now. <laughs> it's, it, yeah, it, looked, yeah. it looked really nice. And, and you were telling no, us no, a really interesting beautiful. story before we started the podcast about what they're going to roll this investment, you know, once they sell the property, what they're going to do with that. Right. So, I mean, this house was a, a rental property for the owner of this house. They rented it out. Um, and now what they want to do is they want something where it's a little more passive income. So they're basically looking to move into something called an STNL or a single tenant net lease. And that allows them to have passive income, usually a lot more income than you get off a single family. Uh, usually on a single family, you could expect a return of around you know 3% because of California rent control and laws and just operating costs and whatnot. Um, in something like an STNL, you could you know, expect a return of between 5 6%. Um, so your percentage of return goes up and the amount of work you got to put into it goes down substantially because you're not paying taxes, you're not paying uh, maintenance, you're not paying for management, none of that stuff because the tenant takes care of all that. And they're usually some national tenant with a very stable, you know, Fortune 500 you know, backing. And uh, these are corporate guaranteed investments. I, I would say that uh, probably this one of the more safe investments on a scale of one to 10, they're probably like a nine on the safe factor because you're looking huh. at a 15 you know a 15 year lease with options that will take you out 20 25 years and they are huh. at built in rent increases in the contract so let's let's flip this over to the other side to kind of you know what we talked about about getting into an actual either office space or retail location right. you know a, a lot of businesses start even apple you know, or Google, they, they start in garages. <laughs> you know, and at some point, they grow too big to be in that garage or to be in a small office in a house. They need a little bit more space. Um, in doing that, um, there's, a, there's, there's, again, a lot of options and a lot of ways that you can go with this. When you're starting uh, to... to first negotiate these leases are they very like different from buying a house because maybe that's an experience that many people have had are they are and they aren't right so i mean i guess the pitfalls are different the process is very similar okay you know but the pitfalls are are different so i would say that if we start with like leases for instance um 
you know, if you're a business owner and you're looking to get a lease, you know, the, the lease, the, once you get to that lease part of it, that's one whole part, right? Um, the initial part that you go through is the negotiating. What people don't know is you can negotiate all the terms up front for your lease. You don't have to take the terms that they're advertising. You know, that's the difference between a commercial lease and a residential lease. When you, when you go apartment hunting, you're just going to go for the apartment that you like the best and, and that, that has the terms you want. You know, and then you sign a lease for those terms. You know, it's kind of already there. You know, when you're when you're dealing with you know as a business owner and you're looking for a lease, um, that's why it's always I always advise if you're a business owner, get an agent to help you get a lease because these guys they have connections in the business. They a lot of times they've done, dealt with the other agents. You know, uh, and, and and sometimes the agents will come to them with leases that work for their tenants. Um, they don't cost the tenant anything. The, the landlord pays all the commissions for, for those leases. So the, so the tenant basically has a guy working for free for them that they're not paying, you know, that's going to take care yeah. of them, you know? And, mm -hmm. um, the, and at the end of the day, once the lease is signed, that's the landlord pays, pays their, the tenant's agent, you know? So, so it's all on the landlord to pay for that expense. Um, and it's an absolute benefit to any tenant. And, and the reason I say that is because, the agent is going to go in there and pre-negotiate everything before you even get to signing a lease. The agent is going to go over there and negotiate the price. They're going to you know, uh, negotiate the length of the term. They're going to negotiate the costs, like, uh, like say, say, building expenses or, or, or common area expenses. They're going to negotiate the percentage of which they're allowed to increase the rent every year. They're going to negotiate... How, many, how much free rent you can get. They're going to negotiate you know, what, what type of money that the landlord's going to give to the tenant to do tenant improvements. So there's all sorts of stuff that the, the tenants don't even know or think about. You know, they, 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 they see, okay, it's advertised for $4,000 a month. That's what it is. But it's not what it is. Everything is negotiable. So it's one thing that the business owners should know. Get an agent, have them negotiate these things for you because everything is negotiable. Well, it sounds like, uh, you know, you negotiate pretty hard for your clients and, and you kind of know the different things that are available to negotiate. And I would advise that when you're finding the right real estate agent to use is ask those questions on, you know, what their experience is in negotiating past leases for a commercial property, because you know, if they're not working hard for you, they're, they're not working hard. So you, we, 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 need, we need to find the, our, our listeners the right agent. What should they ask? What should they ask to a potential real estate agent to determine whether they're a good fit for what they're looking for? So obviously it will depend on the industry they're in, you know, whether they're uh, you know, retail, industrial, office, those type of things. Because they are different animals a, a little bit. I mean, they're negotiated the same way, but they are different animals. You know, so um, if you're if you're somebody who who's doing industrial, who, who's maybe a contractor, and you, you want to uh, lease an industrial space with a little bit of an office, a little bit of warehouse space in there, then you want to to talk to an agent that's got some experience with industrial, um, because there there are some nuances in industrial that, that you need to know. You know, um, you, if you're if you're dealing with a single a single tenant industrial site. They don't usually have a problem with you parking a big rig on the street, but if you're, you know, getting a, an, an industrial space where you have like a hundred 
tenants, they're usually going to have a problem with you parking a big rig on space because they only have X <laughs> amount of you know parking space. Yeah. So the, those are, it's probably not a good fit for that. And, and if you're just some guy who who maybe just started doing real estate or, or they do office all day, well, maybe you don't know that nuance necessarily. I mean, a lot of agents do do a lot of things, a lot of everything. Um, or they start on one side and they end up doing something else. You know, for me, I don't do a lot of leases anymore. I really concentrate on sales and, and wealth building for, for clients. Um, but I did do leases. I did industrial leases pretty, pretty much where I started was, was doing industrial leases. And then I did retail leases after that. Um, but, you know, I did a couple office leases. Um, but I wasn't, I wouldn't consider myself an office guy. You know, there's guys out there that they know office like frontwards and backwards. Um, and a lot of times, you know, the, the first thing you should say, you know, okay, I'm in the business, I'm an attorney, you know, and I want to set up a, a, a space, you know, with a couple offices in, in San Francisco and I want to be around this area. Well, you want to deal with an office guy there, especially in San Francisco, um, because San Francisco is a tough market and it's, it's one where you need a guy that knows people and knows how to deal with, with the, uh, the building owners because you're not dealing with just some one guy that's building on you're dealing with a company usually. Uh, and so you want to know have a guy that's confident enough to deal with the the, the, the principals in that company um, that, that own that building yeah. yeah I mean you mentioned San Francisco and and that kind of led me into my next question as I heard you talking I'm like is it important for somebody to hire an agent that's very familiar with the area that they want to buy in? And I guess for San Francisco, obviously, you said it is. Is that true for kind of all areas or is it just for these major cities? You know, I mean, there's guys that are area specialists and they know every building in the whole city. You know, they'll say, okay, I know that building, that building, I know all the owners of all these buildings. I know know, what that lease for 10 years ago. (laughs) You know, I mean, they know everything about every building in the whole city. Um, And that's great. Uh, Those guys are really more helpful for purchasing versus leases. But, you know, they're, they're very good at what they do. Um, I, I, I would say it's important for you, I would say it depends. Okay. This is kind of a lawyer answer, but it does depend. Um, uh, it, it depends because, um, you know, it's good to have them know the area. Um, but most clients are not just looking in one area. You know, if all you're looking for is San Francisco, definitely deal with somebody who knows San Francisco. If all you're dealing with is Berkeley. You have somebody that knows Berkeley, right? Um, but most clients, almost every single client I've ever dealt with is a tenant. They say, okay, I want to look at a place in Oakland, Berkeley, Emmerville, Hayward, Union City, you know, Pleasanton. They, they have this giant map of places they want to be in, right? And that's 90% of the tenants I've ever dealt with are like that. They, they know kind of the rough area they want to be in. And so, you know, you deal with, like, I know all those areas pretty well, you know, because I've done deals on all of them. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that I specialize in any one particular. I would say if I specialize in any of them, it would probably be San Leandro, Al- Alameda, Oakland. Those are those are areas that really do a lot of that type of uh, leases, you know, uh, industrial and retail and office. Um, but certainly I've done deals in San Francisco. I've done deals. Obviously, I'm doing a deal in Redwood City. Um, so I do deals all over the place. Um, I, I'd say it really just depends on the tenant. You know, if you're a tenant that's focusing on one specific city, you definitely want to deal with somebody who's an area specialist that knows that city frontwards and backwards. Um, if you're a tenant that's looking for a broad 
you know, kind of a broad paintbrush of, a, of an area you want to get to, then you don't necessarily need to know somebody that's, or have an agent that's, that specializes in a specific area. You, you would probably just want an agent that, that knows your type of business and, and knows, um, you know, if you're looking for industrial, an agent that knows industrial. If you're looking for uh, retail, an agent that knows retail and office vice versa. You know, so, so all of that. In a way, you kind of want to find somebody that's, I would assume, kind of well-connected, right? Because they've got to kind of also know all the various uh, people at these buildings and you're probably going to get a better deal because they've they're they're networking yeah, relationships well. help and you definitely want uh, uh, an agent that, that does the networking. um i mean relationships are 90 percent of this business you know so so mm-hmm. for for me the deals are a lot easier with guys i've dealt with before you know and i always try to make sure that i'm having a good uh, you know when i'm having a transaction with somebody i really try to have a good rapport with the other agent you know to because i you know it's a lot easier to do a deal with a guy you had a great a great transaction with you know, and they think the right. same thing. And so they'll yeah. do a little more for you because they want to have another great transaction. They just want to, the smooth, quick transactions are what all of us really want at the end of the day. We want to get the best deal for our client and have a smooth, painless transaction, you know, one without any bumps and bruises. And, and, and <laughs> if you can uh, deal with agents that you've already had those transactions with, it's going to make everything a lot smoother for everybody, the, the tenant, the landlord, mm-hmm. and all the agents. You know? right. So. So yeah, it's good to have agents that have relationships with a lot of other agents, you know, for sure. Um, and and I, so so you know, if we if you look on the tenants side of things, you know, on a on a business owner side uh, of things, you know, um, I think the questions you should be asking as you're trying to interview agents, you know, first off, well, what type of business do you have? And 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 ask agents, hey, are you familiar with this type of business? This, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, and the agent should be able to say, okay, well, for that business, you're going to want an industrial type piece, you know, um, and, and, and you should really be more listening to what the agent's question asking you, right? Because what the agent's asking you will tell you that this guy knows where you should be and what your business should be. Because sometimes <laughs> as, as a business owner, you don't know what you don't know. You know, you don't know what where I should be. Like, you could be somebody who should be in industrial, but you're renting a retail space. If you're renting a retail mm-hmm. space, you're paying like two, three dollars a square foot more than you should. You know, you should be in an industrial mm-hmm. space. You know, and and so if you if you have yourself a good agent, an agent will be asking you the question. Okay, well, what do you do? What is your business? Okay, well, I'm a contractor. I build cabinets. You know, and and I do handyman stuff. You know. Um, okay, so that agent should be going, okay, well, you're definitely going to be an industrial type company. You know, uh, that's your lease. You should be, let's go industrial. Let's, you know, where do you want to be? Okay, that should be a next question your agent should be asking you. You know, okay, well, I want to be in these places. Okay, then the next question they should be asking you is, is um, you, know, uh, you know, budget, obviously. Um, but, you know, how long a term do you want? You know, do you want to be there three years? Do you want to be there five years? Where do you expect your business to be going? Do you expect your business is going to grow a lot in five years or three years? If it's going to grow a lot in three years, and they're projecting that if you're going to double your business in three years, then, then maybe you only want a three-year lease. You know, it's that, that way you can move on to the bigger space. You know, or do you want to grow into the space? So those are questions your agent should be asking you. You know, and I think as a business owner, it's a lot easier to know what questions your agent should be asking you than to know what to ask your agent, you know, because you don't necessarily know what you, what, what you don't know. 
you know, as a, as a business owner. Yeah, I like I like that kind of flipping it around yeah. and and making sure that they're they're actually understanding your your business. I mean, if they're if, if using your example, if if you're making cabinets, uh, and you know they have no idea that that you need a, an area to machine that, right. <laughs> they're probably not the right. Well, agent. Also, not every landlord wants that type of use either. It, it, right. You know? so, right. So you, the agents need to know what when they're talking to other agents. Hey, I got this guy who bakes cabinets. You got space for him. You know that type of thing, and they're like, oh yeah, I'll let mm-hmm. this guy do, do that, no problem. You know, so that right. cab- I use cabinets as an example because it's a very specific use for for folks that that landlords have a problem with. All right, Mike, we're going to take a short break here. We're going to continue our talk on real estate on DIY for business. We'll do that right after this. You know, a great way to promote your business is a podcast. <laughs> yeah. So you're listening to a podcast and we're telling you to make a podcast. How cool is that? Yeah. Well, okay. Where do we do it? We do it on Anchor. And why? Well, because they do all the work for you. They distribute the podcast. You can edit your podcast right on your phone or within your computer. Uh, everything you need for a podcast is right there in one place. Just go and download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, and welcome back to DIY for Business. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Today, we're talking uh, real estate uh, with Mike Santian. He is uh, joining us today. He's from, is it Intero Commercial Real Estate? Intero Commercial. See, I I knew I was going to say that wrong, so that's why I asked. (laughs) Hey, Mike, I'm always so fascinated, you know, with what's what's behind the scenes for all different industries. You know, I I know investors, they got some information on investments that I don't have, you know, any any knowledge to, any visibility to. And I'm assuming it's kind of the same for you. You probably have some information or some market research that, you know, the, the, the average buyer obviously doesn't have access to. And I was just curious, like, from your point of view, what kind of information do you have as an agent that most people have no idea <laughs> that, how to find it or, or how to get to it? Right. So, I mean, I, I think the important thing um, to note, if you're investing in real estate and you're buying real estate, um, why you use an agent versus not using an agent, because um, you can buy real estate without an agent. But would I advise it? No. Um, does the agent know things that, that maybe the average buyer doesn't? Um, yes. And, and I would say um, I spend probably at least an hour, if not more, a day doing research um, on what the market's doing in my area and what the market's doing in trending areas. And so it's good to look, you know, in other cities uh, across the country that, you know, are trending a certain way for a certain use. Um, you know, you might want to know what all the up and coming tech communities are. So maybe a lot of people don't know Nashville, Tennessee is a up and coming tech community. Everybody knows Austin is a tech community, right? Everybody knows that. Everybody knows the Silicon Valley is a tech community. Um, not everybody knows Nashville is becoming a tech community, you know, and it's, it's up to agents to do the research to find out where these up-and-coming companies are. You know, is Dallas-Fort Worth a company, uh, an area that's coming up? Is Seattle an area that's coming up? Yes, they are. Is Colorado, Denver, you know? Denver's surrounded by a lot of cities that are coming up in tech, you know? So it's important, like, if, if it's important to you to make your investments near tech communities, well, then it's good that you have an agent that's looking into that for you. Um, and mm-hmm. that knows those communities and can kind of give you a leg up when you want to invest before it really gets hot. 
uh, one thing that's different between commercial and residential, and I think we were talking about this earlier, is that residential doesn't, in California anyway, it doesn't allow you to have what they call a pocket listing. Um, all things that are listed in residential have to be posted to the MLS. Um, commercial real estate doesn't use the MLS. We don't have to post anything to the MLS, and we have pocket listings. And there's plenty of property out there. I would say a good 40% of the property that's probably for sale is not advertised. Once it's advertised, the price goes up. You know, they want to get it before the price goes up. And so pocket listings are the way they, they kind of could do more negotiating and, and get a better benefit. And that works for multifamily as well. Uh, I know a lot of multifamily buyers that they want only pocket listings. Another thing that people don't think about is these agents have to sit there and call places that aren't even for sale, that, that aren't even pocket lists, <laughs> and say, hey, yeah. I got a buyer for you. This is not what I'm really calling. I'm calling to maybe, maybe make a relationship with you. And and that's that's the thing. you know. I mean, it's, uh, again, going to the, the cabinet maker, do you want to spend your time building cabinets, making money, or do you want to go to call all these different places mm-hmm. to try to get relationships built and try to find something that's not listed that's going to be ideal for you right. and then go negotiate a contract that you don't really want to do. Sure. <laughs> I mean, sure. The, the more we talk, the more it's like I, I say, this is probably not a, a, a DIY type of thing yeah. for, for a business owner. This is something where you really do need, need to get some help. You, you can get hurt. hurt. Yeah. You can get hurt really bad in commercial real estate if you don't know what you're doing. You know, it, well, and it's not just right then either. This is a long-term yeah. problem that you could have. Yeah, Get yourself into a lease and you're stuck in there for 20 years? Yeah, I mean, most <laughs> of our listeners are entrepreneurs. They're, they're growing business right now. And if they make a bad decision on their commercial real estate property that they're getting into and getting uh, committed to, yeah. this could take down their company. So this is yeah. not something mm-hmm. that they shouldn't take seriously. This is something very serious. You know, cool. really go to an expert that understands what they're looking for and that can negotiate what's best for their business for the time that they're going to sign that lease. Because, well, you know, dude, companies evolve. Some companies do speculate in real estate, you know, and they think, oh, well, this area is a really great area to buy some land because it's growing and we make a ton of money on this land. And that may be true, but what they don't know, <laughs> what they should know, is that land is probably the most risky investment you can make in real mm. estate. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I used to be in the golf industry, and environmental was the biggest hurdle that golf courses would run into. All the there time. Were tons of investors that wanted to open up a golf course, yeah. start a golf course, you know, purchase a golf course, and environmental issues always popped up. Yeah, it's a tough yeah. one. Well, I mean, land is tough. Clint Eastwood became mayor of Carmel was because he bought some land and wanted to put an office building there. And the city was like, well, you have to have windows on this particular site. You have to do this. And they were being so picky about it that he was so annoyed by the planning commission that he ran for mayor. He like basically went down to the office and then, you know, two months later, three months later, he's mayor of Carmel and he got his building. <laughs> and the, the planning commission, uh, well... They went ahead and made his day. Yes. <laughs> they, yes. were, they were not around anymore. <laughs> I guess that's one way to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> when, you, when you're Clint Eastwood, you know. Who's going to yeah. say no? Yeah, nothing's, who's gonna say great, nothing's that's a one a on a risk scale with Clint Eastwood. That. That's a great <laughs> yeah. story. Yeah. Mike, last thing for me is, uh, you know, we're kind of coming out of COVID and the pandemic, and I've heard just horror stories of, 
how commercial real estate owners have, you know, just lost all, a lot of their tenants, you know, over the past year and year and more than a year now. And from your point of view, I'm sure you probably have some crazy story or funny story about, you know, something you've heard about or you've dealt with as far as, uh, uh, you know, a transaction or an owner just because things got so rough for some of these uh, commercial property owners. Yeah, I mean, uh, to say that it was a disaster is probably an understatement. Um, you have it all. Uh, you have multifamily owners who have tenants that didn't pay rent. And they are in a moratorium until the 30th of June. And they haven't paid rent for over a year. Um, you have one guy own a landlord like 30 grand. And there's no way in hell that guy is going to be able to pay that landlord that 30 grand. It's just not going to happen. But the landlord can't do anything with them. You know, the, the, he just has to take it. And if you own 100 units and it's one tenant, it sucks, but it's not going to put you under. If you own a fourplex and it's two tenants, you got a different problem. And I've heard of the one, the 100 unit with one guy, and I've heard of the fourplex with two guys. And the fourplex with two guys... He's just trying not to go under, you know, because that's rough. I mean, that's half your income going out the door and you still got to maintain the building, you know. So uh, and, the, and the mortgages still do. You know, some banks have been flexible and they said, OK, we'll give you a break. We'll put a moratorium on it. We kind of just press pause. Some banks have done that. Not all. Um, and I would say the majority of them haven't. And then the state proposed uh, a reimbursement of 80 percent to the landlords for these particular type of tenants, which is all well and good, but I know for a fact that it's very complicated to file for these things and they don't follow up with you. At least none of the people that I know who have filed for this have got any type of follow-up and they haven't got a dime from the tenant or the state. So I don't know that right now on that particular, on multifamily, I don't know that, that the state is going to do anything even though they say they are, I just don't see the follow-up. I don't see any kind of say, hey, we got your request and we're going to get money to you. None of that. It's just like you send it off into this black hole and you hope <laughs> that you're going to get money. That's, and that's tough. Yeah. That's, that's your multifamily uh, side of it. Uh, your yeah, retail side of it, stinks. they've lost restaurants, they've lost retail chains, they've lost all sorts of stuff. And some of them are in litigation over, well, mm -hmm. They didn't pay their rent, but they're functioning as a business. They're technically still making money to the same volume they were making, but they're not paying rent, and they're using this as an excuse, and that ends up in litigation. So uh, I'm not going to talk about any specifics because there is ongoing litigation on some of this stuff, but that's, that's the kind of stuff you're seeing. You're seeing if, if they're not just going out of business and leaving altogether, and then there goes that lease, then they're in litigation with somebody who's kind of using the system against the landlord in that situation. Mm -hmm. So you, you see it all. Um, I say yeah. the most common one actually is probably on the multifamily side with, with tenants not paying rent. And I get it. They lost their job and can't pay rent. You know, I get it. State said they were going to do something. That's, that's my issue. So the state said mm -hmm. they're going to do something. Yeah. You have to follow this paperwork and have they done anything? Uh, not, not yet. So yeah. I, I think the jury's out on what, what, what that's going to look like. But for multifamily, those are guys, they're getting hit pretty hard. And retail, they're getting hit pretty hard as well. All right. And if, uh, if you want 
basically to use Mike as an agent. We're going to put a link in the description here so you can get more information from Mike. Because as I said, it's about trust. I trust Mike. So <laughs> hopefully after this interview, uh, you, you do as well. So, uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, my Thanks pleasure. Mike. It was fun. Appreciate it. I love learning about real estate because it can make me money. <laughs> Hopefully, a lot of the ideas that we talk about on DIY for Business can make you money. Now, the thing is, you know, this is all our advice. It's what we would do if we were in your shoes. Well, at least we think. I mean, we don't know your exact position. We don't know what's going on. But we're trying to give you the best advice and the best information. So please do subscribe because each week we're going to bring on great guests or it's just going to be Greg and I just chatting it up to you and giving our like it take on certain things i love the show and i love that you are listening and i appreciate it so much so please do subscribe and please do if you can rate us on whichever podcast that you're listening to whichever app that you're listening on right now we need you to rate us it helps us and it helps to Give us exposure to other people. And if you can, share us. LinkedIn's a great resource. Twitter, Facebook, whatever it is, please do share the podcast so that you can share the advice that we give you with other business owners. Maybe not your competition, right? (laughs) But everybody else, that's totally okay. Anyway, Greg and I both, thank you for listening to DIY for Business. And we will talk to you next time. Yes.